Expounded Universe. Season, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't know how many of these we've done. I've completely lost the thread. We're starting next season with 1A. Uh, this is a wrap-up episode for Lando Calrissian Adventures, The Star Cave of Thon Boca, plus just all the Lando episodes. Hooray! I feel free! In fact, in fact, I'm taking my helmet off! Oh, this is what I actually sound like! I sure hope my commanding officer doesn't come around right now and order me to put my helmet back on! Hey, you! Get that helmet back on! Oh, God! No! Oh, oh. yes, sir! It's, uh, it's about in universe! Hey everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe! Hooray! We're doing it! We're doing the thing! It's happening! It's a wrap-up episode. Yeah, it's a little Lucy and Goosey Mm -hmm. around here. I had friends in school named Lucy and Goosey. Yeah, and I've got teeth on my tongue. (laughs) Like a goose. Well, it's like I had one friend named Lucy Goosey. I had a friend named Lucy and a friend named Goosey. Yeah, obviously. They were were two different friends, and and they didn't travel... In the same friend circle, I had to jump from one concentric ring of hell of high school hell from to another uh-huh. in order to hang out with Goosey instead of Lucy, who was usually in my my air my sphere. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, now, did you have a friend that was juicy that hanged out with Lucy? <laughs> I can I can assure you that they were both very juicy. <laughs> uh, and uh, this juicy Goosey, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm just sad that 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 the two of them never, to my knowledge, never interacted, so we could make any kind of jokes about that. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And also... Fortunate. <laughs> great for them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for and, them, perfect. And on a geologic timescale, completely irrelevant. But... <laughs> Just like this show, on a normal timescale. <laughs> this episode in particular, because we don't even have any book material to cover. Oh, but we're covering a whole three books worth of material, because why cover just a wrap-up for the Star Cave when we could... Also, occasionally mention Flame Wind or whatever. Yeah, Flame Wind and uh, Mind Harp. And that, that old dingling Mind Harp. There, there is stuff I wanted to address. I, I don't know if you knew this, but I found this out recently when someone, one of the questions that we, we uh, got was about the author of these books, and it was in the past tense. And I was like, no, 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 no. L. Neil Smith is kicking around. He's running for office in Colorado or something. Oh. He's like on, on some libertarian party. No, he died in 2021. My goodness, he's a he's a recently deceased fellow. Mm. Uh, so I did not know that, and uh, you know he had a, he had a long career. His first novel came out in like 1976. He he wrote for a long time, but he kind of I, I, he soured a lot. Like we made jokes about the whole libertarian thing. Apparently, sometime around 1990 1991, he just stopped writing fun sci fi. Oh yeah. From that point forward, for the next 30 years, he churned out kind of self-published or or fly-by-night uh, right-wing published books. Real big single-issue guy. Entirely about the Second Amendment. He didn't yeah. care about anything but the Second Amendment for the rest of his life. And so he's got all these books where the cover is just like a hot lady in a prairie dress holding a rifle. Which is amazing to me, given that so much of these books, the the Lando books, to bring it to what we're actually talking about, like there's all of these like oh Lando doesn't have a lot of guns he's got a little one because he'd he'd rather solve things like an intelligent person because if you rely on guns you're a big dumb asshole and then <laughs> yeah the last part of his life he was like nope guns are great and everyone should have a million yes exactly it's a very weird transition I just wanted to mark that because I think there were a couple of times where I made fun of him directly and I was I'm now realizing we were kind of just assaulting a recent ghost well well that's way better because now. What's he going to do about it? Haunt me? Great, buddy. I'm going to make so much money on proven ghosts are real. (laughs) Yeah. I want to see it happen. You better not kill me Final Destination style or something. I want to see a cool boogity ghost. I mean, kill me Final Destination style. I want a Rube Goldberg death. That's fine, but you only get to see the end of those. (laughs) I mean... Again, I, it comes down to me. I want to see a supernatural thing. If a ghost is going to kill me, you better come out of a TV or something. You want one of them ring deaths is what you're saying. Exactly. I want a ring death, but a good one too. Like it's got to be, it's got to be a good, it can't just be I had a heart attack and died. It can't be that you ordered me to do something with a chilling voice and I did it. Uh, Nope. You're going to have to glow. Okay. I need spectral. I need some ectoplasm and shit. You want to get gooped up is what you're saying. I don't know if if the afterlife has a second amendment, so you're probably going to have to use your bare hands. (laughs) 
Uh, nah, he's used all the dead guns that are lying around. <laughs> is the Iron Giant dead? Because he's not a gun. No. <laughs> Who is a gun? Who's a gun? <laughs> Who's a gun? I mean, James Gunn is still alive, so you can't use him. <laughs> J- yes, he'll show up with some ancestors of James Gunn. Is Peter Gunn from the Peter Gunn theme still alive? Maybe he'll show up with him. Just a Peter Gunn theme? What? Yeah, it's one of the songs. Oh, man. Now I, gotta, it, I don't remember which one it is, but it's Lucy and Goosey. Goosey. Yeah, it's very loose. Peter Gunn theme is one of the songs in Rock and Roll Racing. It's one of the four. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's also the theme that played over the Spy Hunter video game. Amazing. Yes. Okay. So anyway, yeah. What did you think of uh, the, the life and times of, of this dude who kind of went full libertarian? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's talk about the Lando books. Now, I mean, right off the bat for Star Cave of Thon Boca, I... Man, I... I don't know if I want to say it's the weakest of the trilogy, but it's definitely close. Yeah. Because it's either this or Flamewind. Fair. That's fair. I feel Mindharp was a much better book than the other two. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the fact that uh, Flamewind had a little bit more zhuzh mm-hmm. on Roker added more to that than that's this. true this book had a problem where we kind of had already seen roker gept his entire shtick yeah like we didn't bring anything it, new and then it starts lampshading it with having you know like shanga just be yeah. like what a dumb asshole on his stupid shit chair and you're like oh man you made a whole weird wizard guy and then in your third book you went yeah fuck this wizard guy though and i'm gonna go ahead and say it he dies unceremoniously oh yeah he goes down in just the worst final confrontation with the last <laughs> boss where you're like oh what happens oh he decides not to use any of his cool abilities or powers or anything and then just floats around and accidentally gets shot in the foot to death yeah and you're like this is dumb as fuck yeah like the whole reveal that he's actually a gross little snail clam slug monster yeah. is is cool it's neat that he's a weird little alien that lives in a, in a human's foot or fake human foot but, like, I wanted more of that. Like, I feel like the biggest problem with Star Cave is that it had too many balls in the air. Uh-huh. And then it just resolves all of them in the last chapter. It does the same thing that we can routinely complain about in all of the other books that we've read, which is, okay, we've set up a bunch of premises. Now what if everyone sat around and thought about the premises until the last chapter? <laughs> yeah, and also we get, like, a quite literal deus ex machina at the end with yes, the we, one and the we, other and whatnot. Literal star gods arrive. Yeah, just like... Hey, everyone resolve these problems. Good day. Space Cosgrove shows up to say cut it out. Yeah, it's it is the least satisfying ending of the 3. Yeah. And as much as the main premise of Flamewind is much less interesting, I yeah. think they don't do enough with Star Cave to make it the not the worst. Still, like I was saying, there's too many balls in the air because Flame One had an interesting thing going on in it. Like ordinarily, I would probably think that yeah, Flame One is the least exciting of the trilogy, and part of that is because this one's got the Oswaft, it's got the one, the other, and the rest, it's got the Croak. So you've got these cool sci-fi concepts happening, right? So at mm-hmm. least you're getting cool Star Wars big ideas, and I like those. That's the thing I like to some, see. Some good old-fashioned Star Wars weirdness. But because Flame Wind stays in the Ozeon system, it's really all about how rich people are b- dumb, self-absorbed assholes who are constantly tripping over their own rich dicks. Yes. And that's at least, there's some commentary and there's some kind of statement to be made. And here you get that. There, That's here. It's not about rich people. It's about the hurry-up-and-wait aspect of the Navy. Oh, yeah. And he's definitely got some opinions on the inefficiency of the military machine, but he also has no time for it. No. And, you know, you could maybe say that there's like, oh, this is a thing on like pacifism being bad as far as the Oswaft, where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you've got to fight if you want to live and stuff like that. Like, there are definitely some things in this that I feel like, oh, you could try and get a message out of this or try and take one of these ideas and do something with it but the book isn't particularly interested in doing that no no it's it's got too much to do it wants to solve the mystery of buffy rob which honestly i'm gonna go as much as i like the whole salentium thing and i i i do appreciate the uh 
the conclusion for Buffy Raw where he gets to find out that, oh, yeah, I can fight if I want to and I've got a purpose and everything. I'd be fine if he was just a mystery. Yeah, honestly, that was one of those things where I was like, you have to tie up not just the end of this book, but also a couple of the things that you've been leading through the other two. Yeah, yeah. But you're leaving it to the very end, just like you did all the other books. So now you're trying to tie up too much. Yeah. That's and a, yeah. you end up being like, oh, how do we tie up Roker Gepta? I don't know. He's a little guy and you squish him. And I'm like, okay. But he's like the biggest villain. He's like a huge villain. He's a, trilo- he's a trilogy villain. Yeah. You can't just squish him like a fucking, like, like a push pop or something at the end of your adventure. Yeah. It, it would be about as unsatisfying as... Like, you get to the third movie, and then Luke just hits a button on Vader's chest and turns him off. Like, that would be fucking terrible. <laughs> it would be hilarious, though, if he was just like, you know, essentially, you really are just sort of a walk-around toaster, and just sort of flipped him to off. Yeah. Just, just pushed him down the shaft. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, that would be one of those things where you're like, oh my, how absolutely unsatisfying, and just completely neutering to a villain who heretofore had been shown to be extremely terrifying. <laughs> and so while the joke is like, ha, that's kind of funny. I'm like, it also undermines the last two books. <laughs> you will not defeat the emperor. I don't need to. He's like 90. I'm just going to wait for him to have a stroke. <laughs> I give it about five minutes. <laughs> it's true. I haven't been watching my blood pressure. <laughs> ah, fuck it. I'm going to have a margarita and go out. <laughs> I don't need to take my lisinopril. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the so for me, I think Star Cave's the weakest, probably. And I think that does have a lot to do with undercutting and just sort of not giving a fuck about ending I think the it series falls, well. It, it falls into the standard Star Wars novel trap. And I hate to say that because these books really don't feel like standard Star Wars novels. But this one does. It's got, you know, it's funny because it pauses in the middle of the book to do a whole making fun of the Navy, hurry up and wait uh, model. And then it does that where it's like we set all the balls in motion. Now for the next five chapters in a row, Lando's going to float in zero gravity and yell sabak. Yeah. God damn it. I <laughs> that's also another thing is I think this one has at least three chapters in the book that start with Sabak. And I'm sure that he that they thought that was great. And it does, because it, it starts with him saying that at the beginning of the first chapter. And then after they establish that Lahisu isn't a threat. And then once he realizes that Sen and Faye can be dealt with. And then once again, when he's talking to the one, the other and the rest. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I get it. I understand. I think there's even a fifth one where he's with the, in the Navy ships. So, yeah, they just keep doing that, or he just keeps doing that. And I think that uh, they uh, Smith probably thought that was terribly clever to have a lot of this just be him winning at cards over and over again. But, boy, if you're reading these books in a row. No, it just feels forced in this. Because with the first book, with Mindharp and then with Flamewind, with Mindharp, you're like, let's establish the character. This is the thing he wants to do and is being stopped from doing. And so Sabak being a part of the story is like, oh, this is part of the like push and pull of the characters, him wanting to do something and being denied. Yeah. And then Flamewind makes it the actual main plot of this being like, oh, he's been invited to do this. Mm-hmm. And then he gets in trouble while doing that. But in the third one in Star Cave, it's just sort of there because it's been established that that's what he does. Yes. Yeah. He's kind of slowly turned into generic Star Wars hero. Exactly. And that's why this third one feels like a generic Star Wars book is because after they took the first two books, they went, oh, well, now that we've established everything, we can sit on our laurels like every other expanded universe novel. Yeah. There's a thing about this is kind of going outside the sphere of this book, but in the Han Solo, the 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 Brian Daly Han Solo adventures books, yes, which predate this, these by a couple of years and are another really good trilogy that doesn't have anything to do with the overall Star Wars universe. They give him an arch nemesis, kind of. We don't you don't get to him in the first book. Instead, he fights that like lizard guy yeah. briefly. But the other two books feature a villain by the name of Galandro the Gunman. <laughs> okay. And he is, oh, he's a great character. He's got like a 70s mustache that hangs down on either side below his chin. And then he ties beads down there. Great. So he's got a weighted mustache and he is a quick draw guy. Like that's his whole gimmick. 
And uh, he's got a weighted mustache. And when he drops those weights off, <laughs> they slam into the ground. The and you're p- like, <gasps> <laughs> the chewing power now that this man has. <laughs> he's ready to try out in the chewing exams. <laughs> Uh, uh, but the, I mean, the whole deal that I'm bringing this up because of this Bach thing where something I wanted from these books and never got was from Lando to lose. Yeah, a little bit. And Galandra the gunman is obviously there because in the very first book we get a movie, we get a quick draw competition between Lando and Greedo, mm-hmm. which I'm sorry, Han and Greedo, which Han handily wins. Right. He's blasts him. And so we introduce Galandro, a previous quick draw person that, that Han had had to deal with. He cannot beat Galandro. He's better at quick drawing than Han. Uh-huh. He gets shot hard in the shoulder and knocked way the fuck back in their big confrontation. And I like that because it sets a tone, but it, it's so much better to have him lose and learn, oh, that's why he got better at this is because he's lost in the past. than Lando just yelling Sabacc in every game over the course of 90 chapters of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just Lando Calrissian can't lose the yeah. series where he just gets to kind of wander around, and even when he gets in trouble, the trouble ends up giving him something. Yes. He's like, yeah. oh, no, I got caught and went to jail. Jail where they give me $20 million. And you're like, <laughs> god damn it. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say that I don't like these books. Oh, for sure not. Yeah. I mean, definitely the, the first couple way better than a lot of the expanded universe stuff we've had and honestly even star cave still better than oh, yeah. most because really it does fly a lot on big ideas like a lot of the time you read these star wars novels and what's their big idea what if there was another kind of bad jedi <laughs> well yeah given that this book specifically is like all right not only are we like we can't use like the jedi yeah, at all no jedi no empire. Yeah, but I was like, there's no empire, there's no republic stuff. There's no uh, main three heroes. There's no tie-in to any established story. There's also no, like, aliens we've heard of before. That's true, yeah. There's not a single alien in these that, that isn't introduced here. Exactly. And so the fact that this whole thing was like, what if we took one character and just plopped him into an unexplored, has nothing to do with anything, part of the galaxy, and watch him deal with that? Yeah. That's fun and means you get to come up with some interesting stuff. Yeah, and as much as he has too much good luck, it is nice watching him interact and be kind of brusque and shitty to the things he has. That's something I like about these, is when he encounters the great mysteries and he immediately pokes pins in them. Oh, for sure, it's why the first of these was the best. Yes. Because him being like, here's this giant, weird Alice in Wonderland thing. And he's like, oh, God damn it. I fuck this, this thing. <laughs> hey, is there any chance we could not? And then the hall's like, uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that stuff. Having a character who his main trait is, I do not want to be a main character, uh-huh. is interesting. Yes. So I like that. And by the third book, I feel like he wants to be a main character. Yes. So He's that's... like, ah, I have to do some things, and I've got plans for you, and yeah. I'm going to make sure you survive. That's a big part of the third book's problems, is that he doesn't have a strong desire to be anywhere else in particular, where normally he's like, I either want to sell stuff, or get somewhere, or get rid of Uffy Raw, or whatever my goal is, I got one. And in the third book, his goal is, he was driving somewhere, we don't know where, he met Lahisu, and then he sent Lahisu off and kept driving somewhere, and then he came back to help Lahisu, and they just sat there for a while until trouble came to him. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird, because the first two books are like, oh, he has a definite idea of something he wants to do, mm-hmm. and people are interfering with it and stopping him from accomplishing stuff. You have the push and pull. You have that desires denied. Like, there's a good reason for him to be involved in what's going on Mm -hmm. whereas this is just like oh and and lando shows up and he's a main character so you're like oh okay i guess yeah the other thing about this book that i'm not 100 percent sure whether or not i like is the characterization of clint shanga okay i like the concept of the character but the moment they switch him from being just like this dead mopey guy where i'm picturing like a hard-boiled like eddie valiant type detective just sitting in the in the ship with nothing left to live for but killing this guy and then when you finally get to meet him he's he's just strutting around he's acting like nick fury (laughs) senior it's 
Yeah, that's a weird thing with the hard turn in this book, where in the second one, Clint Shanga was like, all I want to do is die while taking out this person that ruined my society. It's yes. literally all I care about. Yeah. I, I'm already old. Like, I was a soldier, then retired, then did something else. Now I'm back to doing this. It's the kind of like, you know, I'm way too old for this shit. Yeah. Cop on the edge type thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to have one last mission and then I'm done. Yeah. But then in this book, he then reverts into being your standard hotshot ace cop where he's like, yeah. yeah, fuck you. You can't tell me what to do. I'm the leader of the bad boys. Yeah, he switches from someone who's like really on their last mission into a dirty hairy archetype. And I don't, I don't know that I like it or not. I mean, to me, he very much feels like Nick Fury Sr., right down to the point where he's got a dumb, dumb Dugan. Uh, That's what Bernie is, you know. I gots to have my stogie. Also, I'm kind of dumb. And a, boy, but a, a bowler hat. I forgot to mention, I'm wearing a space bowler hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't hate it. Uh, I, I, I kind of was hoping, I had forgotten I had even read these books. I kind of was hoping he was done. If I'm if I'm honest, after the second book, I like the idea of him just being dropped off on a planet, and that's the end of that. Yeah, but but him coming back, that's fine. But yeah, now he's like they don't just introduce him, but they introduce him as the new big thing, and they, they make him they set him up just to be there mostly to belittle Roker Gepta and make him exactly. And you're like that shouldn't be Roker Gepta. Now you fucked up two people's characterizations because yeah. you took Roker Gepta from being this unknowable absolutely fucking weird wizard to just a petty little asshole tyrant and then shanga goes from this like i just i'm i want to die i'm on the edge character to being like look at this guy what a dick i'm gonna make him my bitch and i'm like what the fuck is this what is this interaction it's funny because that's what we had been doing for the first two books was being like, fucking Roker Gepta, man. Look at this fucking guy. Why doesn't he ever actually just do anything? Why is he constantly preening and posturing? And then you introduce someone in the books who's just like, this fucking guy's never going to do anything. He just preens and postures. He's harmless. He's a fucking pussycat. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not supposed to say it. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you know you're doing that, write him different. <laughs> Don't just be like, hey, I wrote a dumb character, and now I'm going to have a guy lampshade my dumb character. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't know what to do with that. I love Roker as a concept. And then he in the last book, he just spends it being insulted, flying somewhere while sending out dumb orders, and then he just gets there, does something dumb, and dies. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's just a bad look all over in this book for Roker Gepta. I feel bad because I love Roker Gepta conceptually. What a neat idea. Yeah, to be like, hey, here's a dude, doesn't have the force, and he's just... A weird little wizard out in space. He's going to fake it till he makes it. That's the, it, He's eliminated civilizations. He's 6,000 years old. All these crazy details about him exist. But but in this book, he's just he's just a petty little idiot who doesn't matter. Yep. He's just a shitty little guy. Yeah. Plus, it was probably too late. They needed to bring back Osuna Wet in the second book as well, if they wanted me to give a shit about him in the third book. Also true. Yeah. Because that being like, oh, wait a minute. We've got to tie up Shanga, but... Shanga just seeing that the guy he was after as a robot isn't going to be a, a good ending for him. All right. Okay, so Wet uh, is this bad guy, and here's Wet, and he gets to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay. Right, you establish that in like two chapters. He's, established, he's got to feel like a total idiot when he's like, hey, that's the bad guy. And then five seconds later, he's dead, and he's like, wow, that was really easy. Oh, <laughs> man, I should have just gone after that guy from the start. <laughs> That seems like a like a mistake on my part. Oh well, I'll just be in the last chapter playing Sabak. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's concepts in here that I do want to laud. I love the concept of the Oswaft. They're really neat. Yeah. I like their fatalistic viewpoint towards the end when Sen and Faye are like, "Oh, there's a chance we'll die." Neat. Yeah. The those bits of this. The like, oh, here's the new stuff we are adding. The main ideas for this book mm -hmm. are good. The Oswalf, the whole Thonboka thing, the like trying to get a species that is 
absolutely like we've never had to adapt to anything because nothing else is around us. Yeah. So the reason we're stagnant is we don't have to do anything. Yeah. And have them be like, all right, here's new stimulus. What do you do? Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. And meanwhile, you've got a parallel to them in the terms of the one, the other, and the rest, the Salentium, who are obsessed with the notion that they will event soon be able to have a new stimulus in the fir- for the first time in, in countless ages. Yeah, that they will be able to evolve beyond just what they had always been for so long. Yeah, so there's there, there's neat stuff here. There's just too much of it, and there's not enough room for any of it to develop into something. Yeah, nothing, nothing gets time to breathe yeah. in this. I mean, I wish this one was a full novel. That would probably be a little better. If, they, if it wasn't a novella, but rather it was a full novel, and we had time to get all these stories out there and then dealt with i would have been excited about that maybe maybe who knows whatever we're going back to a full novel next time so hell yeah we'll, we see, are. we'll see what goes on with that uh <laughs> in the meantime though would you like to do some of the q a we had a couple of uh hashtag star cave questions hell yeah uh let's go over let's look at our first of the hashtag star cave questions good news your various books have net you the opportunity to write a new Lando trilogy as co-authors. Bad news! Due to contractual obligations, you must make it include some dipshit libertarian elements as per the legal curse of the late L. Neil Smith, and the first book must be titled Lando Calrissian and the Sundered Coin of Dow. <laughs> you can do literally anything else you want with the trilogy, so how does at least the first book shake out? I mean, be- be- behind the name Sundered Coin of Dow, it really makes me think that, that uh, Lando has finally toppled the mighty stock exchange in exchange for cryptocurrency. I don't know if that's on purpose or if that's just what I hear immediately. I mean, that's, that's I assume, what you are supposed to be yeah. figuring. Here's the problem. Whereas I immediately go, oh, based on how the other three books are laid out, there is a literal actual sundered coin mm-hmm. of Dow yeah. that he must find that is a relic going full in the first one, like Indiana Jones style adventure. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the problem is I only know like three things about libertarians and we already dealt with guns in this one and we've already made the joke about cryptocurrency and I don't want the second book in the trilogy to be called Lando Calrissian in the Age of Consent. So... <laughs> Fuck the mainstream libertarians. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. Uh. <laughs> we don't want your creep money. <laughs> I don't know. How do you want to do this one? Is it actually a sundered coin? The cryptocurrency unit that existed in the beginning of history? Yeah, just a sundered coin. Mm-hmm. That if he's got half of it. Yeah, he finds half of the coin and yeah. he needs to get the other half and then it will, I don't know, resurrect the ancient economy yeah it'll it'll, uh it it turns out that that it can't be the rafa you'd think that we could just do the shrew again and be like the shrew came back but their money's all fucked up and they call lando to save him them Uh. lando only you can find the blockchain of destiny (laughs) uh yeah well the blockchain is a new Mm. empire uh (laughs) technology that stops you from getting into a planet you yeah. have to pass through the blockchain. Yeah, it's all blocked. The The whole nebula is blocked and you can't get in there. Uh, our, our planetary system is blocked with, with space chains. But it turns out that the, the Sundered coin, if you find the other half, it has an encrypted message mm-hmm. that allows you to hack into any network. Yeah. And then he has to do the whole thing. The adventure, because Buffy, of course, is busy. He's off like teaching the Salentium what he saw. So he has to do the whole thing with just a really ugly ape. Huh? <laughs> Just an awful, gross ape. Just a nasty little ape. Yeah. I don't know. Do libertarians like cryptocurrency? I only knew the two I things. I don't know, man. <laughs> I knew the guns and the and the, the weird age of consent stuff, and that was all I knew. I mean, mostly it's the, oh, quit trying to regulate things yes. is the big thing. Because that that's what the main libertarian shit in here that we got because it wasn't yeah, guns. it was that it was it was mostly just oh, people trying to swindle the small businessman yeah with he's, a, he's always just like i should be allowed to go wherever i want and do whatever i want why can't i sell what i have to whoever i should <laughs> i really do like it when he runs up against the free market economy and just gets dunked on it's way but back- it's not free market roker gepta is <laughs> changing it and manipulating the market i think all he did was make it so that lando went to that stupid planet with those stupid things but still with him running into him being like i've got these fishing poles no one fishes here friend you just came to the planet full of fuck everything you have (laughs) i've got this fine leather all we got is leather (laughs) 
I have a jelly. We're allergic. Well, this is bullshit. I should be able to sell my things. You can't. <laughs> Figure your shit out before you go to a place. Do some research, my man. I'm sorry your delicate fifis got offended. <laughs> Maybe you'd be more happy on Coruscant, where they gots regulations. Ugh. I have a question from Twitter. Oh, do you? Mm, yes, there was one. Oh my one. goodness, someone went to Twitter. Yeah, it's neat to look at what the hashtag Starcave is on Twitter, because there's one for us. And then the next one after that is from 2016, and it was someone getting ready for a Galway Games Day Expo. Huh. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's uh, these books are great. How do you think Solo or Empire Strikes Back would have been d- impacted if Lando had been paired with Vuffy Raw instead of uh, L3 or Lobot? So what if Vuffy Raw had still been around? Now, Solo, obviously, I feel like that's a, a movie where you might have been able to get away with that because we didn't have the technology to replace Lobot with Vuffy Raw back in the <laughs> Maybe day. Maybe in the special editions. <laughs> Maybe we can finally get Lucas's vision. <laughs> brought to life of l neil smith's books <laughs> yeah but well if we buffy did... rob was there instead of l3 i'd be like oh this is great and then l3 would have survived or buffy would have survived everything instead because yeah he would have been like i don't need to be patched into the falcon's brain i could just plug into it for a little while it'll be fine yeah uh and also I... i'm not gonna worry about any sort of rebellions i'll just make one of my arms go do something yeah, i'll just have my arm do it I mean, of course, if you're a, if you're a listener to our Patreon, uh, ha- uh, System Master, Patreon.com slash System Master at the $2 level, you will have learned fairly recently that uh, Vuffy was kind of in Solo in that they took a lot of his characteristics and applied them to L3 and even gave her the, the old nickname that she no longer goes by, Vuffy. Yeah. Uh, so, so apparently she went on a lot of the Vuffy Raw adventures instead in the canon universe. Uh, so, so we do know... What would happen, which is that they would cruelly replace him with her uh, ah. and, and then cruelly murder her off in a silly way, a, a way that kind of feels like it was re- left over from the Lord and Miller script. Yeah, I mean, even if, God, if we had Vuffy Raw instead of Lobot, that would be one of those things where I'm like... It's one shot of a tentative yeah. robot doing this, or doing a little finger gun point, because that's all Lobot ever does. Yeah, you just have occasional points where you're like, what's that guy doing in that room just poking at stuff oh, yeah i guess it doesn't matter so it'd be, <laughs> be it neat. would be neat because you'd be like all right and now let's cut to a starfish robot and you're like wait what the fuck and we're done with the starfish robot <laughs> all right everyone that's a wrap on starfish robot yeah like you gotta remember that lobot to my knowledge doesn't even have any lines i i think he has less lines than like ev99 who's just that droid that tells the other two droids in java's palace you'll soon learn to show some respect or whatever oh. like that's Lobot does nothing ever but point uh, emphatically at one time when he gets a message on his brain headband thing. Oh. So so I guess you, you could definitely put Vuffy in there. He would just kind of raise one of his uh, his arm things, and that would be the end of that. Oh. It'd be cooler, though. Lobot's okay, but Vuffy's oh. cooler. Oh, originally Lobot had apparently a lot of lines, but they decided it would be cooler if he didn't talk. Yes, yeah, and I'm sure that's the case. Uh yeah, he's kind of like a Mentat or something. Like well, I mean, that, what his name comes from, lobotomized. Oh, neat. Okay. So. Yeah, there's that whole Star Wars storyline that we didn't do one time about people who were getting turned into droids by some unscrupulous company that was taking their heads off, which made its way into the Solo movie. You can actually see the leftovers of it in, like, one of the servers on that bad guy's space yacht thing mm. who had, like, a TV instead of a head. It was, like, a leftover remnant of the whole of an earlier plot line. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right. So uh, there you go. That's the Twitter question. There we go. Now, <laughs> we got a Sheev Palpatine, Prince Shizor, Roker Gepta, Fuck, Mary Kill. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, this is easy for you're, me. You're starting. It's got to be Fuck Sheev, right? Because he's the party dude and you're going to want. Oh, Never. It's Mary Sheev, because he's going to have a stroke real soon, and I'll get his empire. <laughs> he'll, get his, he'll get his empire money, until you find out that he's got, like, 30 clones of himself and a bunch of successors and stuff. It's just going to be a fucking headache, and none of them are as cool as he is, so you're never going to have another moment's peace. Oh, Party Palpatine definitely makes you sign a prenup. <laughs> yeah, you won't get my empire. <laughs> you can have one half of the hot tub. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving everything to Trioculus. <laughs> Bury me with my empire. 
you can have Vader for fun. <laughs> Vader, you belong to them now. <laughs> yes, my master. <laughs> I'm so mad about this. <laughs> it's all I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see. I, I was going to go. Uh, I mean, I feel like I wanna, I'm going to go marry uh, Shizor. I know he sucks. I hate him. He completely sucks, but he's the one I want to die and get his empire because his crime empire is is also a, a legitimate business. Oh. So I would just stop doing the crime part and just running his giant, just run his giant shipping empire after he inevitably gets himself killed doing the dumbest possible thing. Ah! Like I'll just reprogram his exercise bed to like fucking kill him. It'll be fine, or I'll just mess with him by quietly changing all the program and his equipment so it calls him she's or <laughs> until like all the blood vessels in his eyes burst. Uh, see, whereas I'm like, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The problem with that is it leaves you with fuck Roker Gepta then if you do that. No, mine's kill Roker Gepta. Oh, well, it's kill Roker Gepta for sure. Yeah. No matter what we do. Yeah. So we're swapping the the Mary uh, and fuck with Shizor and Palpatine. We are, yes. And I I appreciate your view on this where you're, I I can see fucking Shizor because Shizor, you know, he sucks. But he's in good shape. No, that's all he has going for him. Sex is he's appeal, like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a sexy dude that puts out stink pheromones to make you want to bang down. Yeah. And I'm like, great, fine. Here's the problem. Either one of them, if you, all three of them, if you agree to marry them, they're going to get bored of you and have you fed to something. The, the best case scenario is you marry Shizor, because Shizor might not murder you. He might just send his, his droid with, with <laughs> divorce, divorce papers. You? Yeah. Hello, I am Guri. I am serving you divorce papers. And then she just walks off sternly. And I'm okay with that. That's At least I get out alive. See, I would rather be married to Palpatine, because if I'm married to Papa Palpatine, oh, I'm going to just spend most of my days probably fucking with Shizor. <laughs> being like, hey, hey, I heard Shizor got something. Get one slightly better than it. Just, you know it'll drive him absolutely insane. <laughs> You know, I, I'm fine that we have a difference on this. At least we can both agree, kill Roker Gepta, oh, which sure. should also be na- the name of the movie about Roker Gepta. <laughs> uh, uh, no one wants to have sex with him. He's a little snail spider. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, no one wants to, to marry him because he's fucking annoying. Oh, no. He's the worst. He's the worst <laughs> in every way. Like, the... L- the less time I have to spend around Roker Gepta, the better. So obviously kill yeah like he's basically late stage cobra commander like <laughs> like he's you love watching a show about him but you don't want to be in a room with him no you're like oh man the reason it's great watching him is because i'm like oh dude this guy sucks <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, <laughs> but he sucks so good that you're just like all right i i i'm excited to see roker gepta i don't want to involve myself with him though no this is pure rubbernecking yeah roker roker gepta best kept at arm's length yeah he's like the reality television of the three of them Wah. guilty pleasure at best oh uh, keep going right. i don't have him up i just had the twitter one next up how does Lando v. Roker rate in terms of the great wizard duels, such as Ralph Bakshi's wizards, or, I don't know, some Harry Potter bullshit? It's right on par with the Ralph Bakshi wizards, isn't right? it? As soon Literally. as you mentioned it, I was like, oh, it's almost exactly fucking Ralph Bakshi's wizards. Like, if you haven't seen wizards in a while, all you gotta do is remember that when, they, when uh, God, when Avatar... Big spoilers for yeah. Ralph Bakshi's wizards when, coming up. Oh, so sorry, I've been ruining this 1977 movie for you, <laughs> but when, uh, when Avatar finally catches up with black wolf they kind of talk at each other for a while and then avatar just pulls a gun and shoots his brother dead there's no wizarding yeah we've established like oh fucking black wolf is a weird necromancer with crazy evil powers and avatars the good wizard with 
good powers, and they're going to have a duel. And then at the very end, he's just like, hey, buddy, bam. Yeah, and he has a line, he says, that's a total non sequitur, because at no point have they told you that these characters even have last names. Their names are just Avatar and Black Wolf. And then when he pulls the gun, he just says, I'm glad you changed your last name, you son of a bitch. And then shoots him dead. You're like, what is his last name? Is it Wolf? Is your full name Avatar? Did he used to be named Black Tar? Oh, hey. (laughs) What happened? What was his last name? So, yeah, it's I think it's better than the final duel between Avatar and Black Wolf. As for, I don't know, some Harry Potter shit, I don't remember how the last duel went down. I never liked those books. Oh, uh, light beams hit each other for a while until uh, the I guess the wand didn't work real well. So is there a good wizard duel? Let's go with how does it rate on that one duel in the uh, in Fellowship where they're just sort of flinging each other around with their staffs? Oh, which is basically the old man version of the Willow yeah. duel between Bavmorda and Finrazel. Okay, how about let's go ahead and say that the the uh, the, the current gold standard for cinematic wizard duel is actually Elora Danon versus the Crone. That, was, sh- <laughs> that shit was cool looking. I was gonna say the actual peak wizard duel is of course Merlin and Mad Madam Mim. Oh yeah, that's that. You're right. You're right. That is the best wizard duel of all time. Yeah, it is. It is a perfect wizard duel. It's fought with unconventional weapons. No one ever shoots a light beam at anyone. Yep, it's just full weird magic horse shit. And they're just cheerfully explaining how they're going to kill each other to each other the whole time. <laughs> ah, no invisibility. <laughs> Come on, Merlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, it is on. It's exactly on par with Avatar v Black Wolf which is above any of the forgettable Harry Potter bullshit and below everything else. Yes. And I think that's the full answer. And just, yeah, just to establish it, the best ones of all time, Wizard Duel of all time is definitely, uh, as John said, Merlin versus Mad Madam Mim. Yep. Check out that shit if you haven't seen it in a while. It's fucking great. It's one of the greatest bits of animation. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's basically what inspired that whole Lucifer versus Dream scene in uh, Sandman, oh, where they're like, amazing. oh, I'm going to be whatever. Well, I'll be this to counter that. That was what they already did in Sword in the Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Gaiman, you stole it, and you, you hack. <laughs> you know what? I know I know. it's currently extremely uh, trendy to shit on these movies, but I will also say that right underneath Madam Mim versus uh, versus Merlin is now you see me. So <laughs> yeah, there's some fucking wizard. Those are magician duels. Uh, no, it's Pen V Teller. No, I was gonna say it's uh, Thanos versus Doctor Strange in Infinity War. That was actually a really cool sequence. Okay, I actually the part when Thanos got mad and threw the moon at him. That was <laughs> that was that was fun to watch. The rest of that movie was okay. That scene was awesome. Great. All right, there we go. Okay. Uh, would you like to see these books adapted into a Disney Plus series? Who would you cast as the voices for things like Roker Gepta, Buffy Raw, and so on? Well, we already did. We did a question for one of the other wrap-up episodes that was voice cast for Buffy Raw, and we didn't even discuss it in advance, and we both immediately announced it was David Hyde Pierce. It's obviously David Hyde Pierce. It's it's 100% David Hyde Pierce for Buffy Raw. Roker Gepta, I think there's a little room to play. Uh, I like him higher pitch. Maybe. I don't know who currently is doing that. You'd probably, honestly, I'd probably want a real voice actor as opposed to a famous person. I don't really want him being like, I'm Seth Rogen voicing Roker Gepta. <laughs> like, 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 I don't know if you recently heard that uh, he's voicing Donkey Kong in that Mario movie and oh, he isn't yeah. affecting any voice at all. <laughs> Fabulous. He's just doing Seth Rogen. <laughs> hey, I'm Donkey Kong. He's got any weed. <laughs> okay. See now. I I forgot his name, so I had to look it up. But the one that I immediately went to that I'm like, oh, can do the physicality of it and has a voice I want, Doug Jones. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Doug Jones is a perfect choice for that. He did like, I mean, he is very similar to David Hyde Pierce in terms of voice. So you, you I mean, to the point where they've both voiced the same character. Exactly. And it didn't bother me at all that they switched between the two on the Abe Sapien. No, so, but <laughs> Doug Jones can do a higher pitched voice. Yeah. And I like his Saru a lot. Yeah, I love him as Saru. I love him honestly as whatever he's Anything done. He's he very is, good. He's great. Yeah, so I got no problem with that. And he would be able to do a good, like, alien physicality to it without being like, oh, I'm doing like full weird CGI. He could just be like, 
oh, these are the weird ticks I'm going to have to his movements. The one thing I'd be a little concerned about when with him doing Roker Gepta is I've never heard unhinged Doug Jones. He always plays very controlled, very uh, erudite characters. And I would love to see what he does with it. I would too, but I, 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 would, I don't know if he can do unhinged. So I... I I would like someone who who absolutely can. So if he can't, I'd have a different person. In sure. Mind. I yeah. mean, it's not like we need to have the same answer. Did you have someone else? In I'm mind? still working for who I'd like as my my just losing their shit completely and just uh, maybe David Tennant. Okay. I, I think he's very good at just completely losing his cool and going into a full like him and per- as Purple Man just screaming at Jessica Jones was super good. So I can see that he plays crazy very well. Oh yeah, Tennant. Tennant's real good. Yeah. I like Tennant. So that that might be it for me. And then, of course, we just put Donald Glover right back in there as young Lando, and that's, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. And I don't even know that anyone else needs anything. <laughs> just pick your grizzled old man of choice to play Clint Shanga. I'm going to say Nick Offerman. Sure. Great. Yeah. Uh, I'll have, I don't know, whoever the... Uh, hell no. Eh, I'm trying to think if there's any good... Like actual really old guys that you could put into that. Oh, to play Clint Shanga? Yeah. Uh yeah, there's a couple people out there I could see doing the voice. Uh I mean, I I, I don't I mean I, I could see someone like uh Pierce Brosnan doing an interesting Clint Shanga. Okay. Yeah, but but uh but yeah, I'd be perfectly fine with Nick Offerman doing it. He's not super old, but it's close enough. Oh, get could get uh Stephen Lang is his name. The oh, guy from, yeah, 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 uh, from Don't Ava- Breathe. Yeah, Avatar, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's fine. I'd be okay with that. As Clint Shanga, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, because it gives you the, like, what's this? Oh, it's an old guy who is also ripped. Yeah. The other thing you'd really want, I, I wouldn't mind Stephen Lang playing as Moe's. Oh, okay. Because he ends up switching. He does a huge switch from playing kind of a creepy mystic who doesn't seem to be fully aware of himself into, like, perfect business suit man towards the end. And I, I like that transition. I think Lang could do that very well. Oh, I, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. So, but beyond that, there really isn't anyone else who even, like, I don't give a fuck who plays Dutzmer or Bahua Mutta or whatever. And then, of course, uh, I don't know, Lahisu is Andy Circus. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Fine. Back in the CGI pit you go. You were allowed, <laughs> you were allowed to be a regular person once. Also, now get out. We're establishing a new rule that Andy Circus has to appear in every Star Wars thing at least once. Because <laughs> yeah. I know you haven't watched Andor, but he's in there. Oh, I know. <laughs> You you were allowed to be a human in Star Wars once. Now back to the CG pit. Uh, okay, that's All right. fair. Uh, let's see. Of the Toka, the rich chucklefucks of the Ozeon, and the Oswaft, who would you rather hang out with and down some cold ones? Oh, uh, definitely the, the Oswaft. They're neat. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, the Toka, before they turn into the Sharu, turn into the sh- the Sharu again... You're like, oh, they're just sort of like weird and mostly vacant minded. Yeah, they're just chanting like ac- accidental enforced primitives. It's not their fault. They yeah, actually they, it is. They, they did are, that to themselves. No, they're just literally vacant minded because it's been sucked out of them. Yes, so they're not fun. And once they do turn, you only briefly get that one little bit of Moe's who's just like, yeah, we're too cool for everyone in the universe now. So I don't want to hang out with someone that pretentious and drink beers. That sucks. Oh, yeah. And then the rich people, I mean, I'm fine I, with it. I, I could, but I, I'm i not Lando, which means I can't just immediately win all the time. Yeah, I'm not going to steal all their money from them, and I'd be worried I'd break some law like he did without knowing about it. <laughs> so, so it definitely comes down to the Oswaft who seem just puppy dog harmless except on accident and just happy to talk to you and eager to learn new things yeah now i mean the one problem is of course i would need to have a way to communicate with them Mm -hmm. uh given that i don't have a buffy raw or anything like that that's true i do it i mean they can eventually just broadcast their own thoughts through a radio as we established i guess i'd have to just sit there with like some am fm radio getting Mm -hmm. their thoughts in there yeah occasionally getting baseball scores Uh, Taylor John Master, sir, what is Rush Limbaugh? <laughs> oh, please, no. Uh, whoever's broadcasting that, just yell at them. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. Although, ultimately, if I was given a choice of any group from these books to hang out with, it'd be at the Downing Beers after party for the lawn orgy people. <laughs> Obviously, like, you, get- you go to the rich chuckle fucks of the Ozeon and you're like, 
yo man, you gotta you gotta let me over to not where the rich people are, but to where the working people are. Be yeah. like, yo man, what do you guys do after work? I just want to I, I want to go to whatever after party the three hundred people fucking on the lawn went to. Like you know they went they ended up at a TGI Fridays or something sitting awkwardly at one big table. <laughs> And you, you know, all of them are like, oh, and, uh, I don't know. We'll split it at the end. Don't worry about it. And there's one guy there. He's like, please, separate checks, please. For the love of God. We do this every time. You guys are going to order 57 appetizers and I'm not going to eat any of them. <laughs> yeah. Those are my pick. They just, they're hard working. I want to hear about it. <laughs> Uh, all right. I have noticed that a lot of the stupid stuff of Star Wars comes from writers taking two pre-existing concepts that they did not have any hand in creating and connecting them in some way, such as the robot robot starfish on Mon Calamari being connected to the Salentium, uh, which we covered in uh, our bonus content. Yes. Patreon.com slash System Mastery $4 level. Yeah, if you haven't heard that, it's just an establishment that, yeah, they, there's... There's more baby Salentium, but there's millions of them, and they're all on Mon Calamari's planet for some reason. Yeah. So if you two were tasked with writing a Star Wars story, what two radically different pre-existing Star Wars things would you take and connect them, and in what way? I'm going to finally close the loop on George Lucas's original plans for Return of the Jedi and say that Wookiees are Ewoks. Ewoks eventually spin big cocoons around themselves, and they come out as Wookiees. Yeah, and on another planet. And on another the, planet. That cocoon the, transports you to another planet. Yeah, you, they get loaded into a big catapult that they built, because that's what they do. So so they built a huge catapult that that flings you from, from uh, Endor to Kashyyyk, and then when they hit, the the hardened by the vacuum of space, the... The, uh, the shells of the cocoons burst open and a confused Wookiee comes out. And the, and the impact is hard enough that they always forget that they used to be Ewoks. Uh-huh. So they, they think they're their own species, but really, uh, Ewoks are larval Wookiees. Uh-huh. 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 So that's, that's a gap. That's a loop I'd like to close and just f- finally make those one species. Yeah. So, Ewokies. so that would mean <laughs> Lumpy was basically a newly hatched. Yes. Ewok. Exactly. He's a he's a, a freshly hatched Wookiee. He was an Ewok just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He went on a long semi hyperspace journey to get to Kashyyyk. <laughs> and and the way that you you know uh, Wookiees don't really have sex with each other or anything. They just find the, the uh, confused Wookiees in the woods and adopt them. It is their way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they're confused forever, and that's what Itchy is. Sometimes. <laughs> so 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 uh, that's mine. Right. <laughs> what about you? Oh, man. Let's see. What's a dumb thing I could take and do stupid things with? <laughs> well, you have the whole diaspora of everything we've dealt with before. Oh, I know. Because I mean, I keep thinking of like, what else have they done? Oh, well, they already took Rancors and put them on another planet and made them smart. So mm-hmm. I could just do that to something else. Yeah, you absolutely could. You could be like, what if Banthas were actually super intelligent, on, but only on Hoth or something? Yeah. You're like, oh, I took a Bantha and I put it on whatever the Ithorian planet is. and uh, uh, Yeah, Ithor, I think. Yeah, while they're there, uh, they're family. <laughs> <laughs> they're allowed to touch that planet. I, they went to the Ithorian planet, Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do it so that, because the Ithorians are not allowed to touch their own home. Exactly. Home. So you could say, like, they imported a million Banthas to carry their herd ships around just in case, like, the hover systems broke. <laughs> so what you're saying is, each hover ship is carried by four very large Bantha, yeah. and then below the Bantha is a giant turtle that they're on. <laughs> You can't fool me. <laughs> you know what's funny is that gimmick was done in the Thrawn books where uh, that, that's when, when Lando has given up on Cloud City, his next mining facility is on a planet called Nicklon, and he is on a huge pl- like He's got like a Star Destroyer for a shield because the planet is too hot to be on. Uh, it, for They have to stay on the night side of the planet. Yeah. And so they're mining by – they have a, a thing that's sitting on like 50 AT-ATs. Like, like just on a tray and they're mining as they go. Yeah. So they've done this joke in real, not yeah. canon Star Wars. I can't. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I might take the fact that the Sun Crusher was made out of 100% indestructible armor and be like, and then they made stormtroopers have that. <laughs> and then they made one droid. Yeah. But then it accidentally got C-3PO's brain and they were, then they lost the secret. So from now on, C-3PO absolutely indestructible also these start these uh stormtroopers that have it and they're called sun troopers 
No, I like I like my or idea. The crusher. only person who gets to be invulnerable is C three PO, but he does not he want cannot. to fight. <laughs> Like, oh my! You'd be the best soldier ever. Oh no, I couldn't possibly. I mean, eventually Han would be like, "Great, load him into the torpedo tubes, <laughs> shoot him at the guys." <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Terribly sorry. Oh please, please don't. It's that scene when uh, when Invincible's being yes, held up in front it's of the exactly subway. What I was thinking of. <laughs> you see what they have to do to mimic a fraction of our power, Mark? <laughs> Think. C three PO. Uh, all right. Get well. me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> also, I'm Jim Gordon. <laughs> Done lots and lots of stuff. I mean, so many things. You're a terrible drummer. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question we're going to do. What of all the things you have learned about Star Wars do you think would be the hardest to convince a lay person is true of the setting? <laughs> I mean, to, to start with that, you'd have to set aside all the stuff we've learned that, like, Santa Claus and Mickey are, uh, Mickey Mouse are canon Jedi. They are actually in Star Wars canon. See, like, whereas I feel like, to a lay person who's like, I know nothing about Star Wars aside from, like, the movies that I have seen. Yes. I know no expanded universe. If I go, you know, they made Mickey a canon Jedi, they go, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, duh, because he's owned by Disney. Yeah, duh, of course, obvious. So it has to be something way dumber than that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say that there are half-human, half-Twi'lek children that exist, and that rather than looking like either one especially, they kind of look like leprechauns. <laughs> <laughs> and borrowing that, I might go with that one of the villains in one of the books was Han Solo's evil, identical half-cousin. Yeah, I feel like the evil, identical half-cousin is probably the one where you're like, no, no, that's... <laughs> They'd never do that. That's not true. <laughs> We're not doing Patty Duke and Patty Duke in Star Wars, okay? Yeah, but Thrak and Sol Solo is real, so you can definitely try and convince people of that one. That's a fun one. Oh. Also, the, the, the uh, that famous art piece of Han Solo fist fighting an otter wearing a bunch of jewelry is from a re is from a book, and that that actually happened in one of the books. Yeah, uh, is and it's from the same book. <laughs> as Thrak and Sal Solo trying to convince people that, a, that the Centerpoint Station or the Corellia Trilogy is a real thing might be very difficult. Yes. Yeah. I mean, also, you could try to convince them that there are books based on video games based on the movies. Aww. That there, there really are multiple video games that have had their own book adaptations because there's both Battlefront and the MMOs. Yeah, also Galaxies. Yeah, so, and yeah. Galaxies. And I think also uh, the... KOTOR stuff has, has produced some books. Probably. So I'm pretty sure there's actually like three different video games that have generated Star Wars novels. And that, to me, that's that's kind of a, like on a publishing side, that's a hard one for me to, to really understand. Aww. But yeah, Evil, Thrak and Sal Solo is a great example. Yeah, Mur just, Mergle Mergle would be another one. Yeah. <laughs> mingle Mingle. Yeah, doing something where you're like, oh, there's a weird AI uh, super goo and it wants to murder you. Mm -hmm. Or... I mean, really, one of the, the famous ones where it's like, oh, yeah, right before it blew up, the Death Star 2 became IG-88. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one, yeah. You're like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, sure. That's that's one of those weird things that you're like, man, Expanded Universe shit is wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's harder and harder to disprove these things. Trying to tell people that Boba Fett came out of that thing. Like, oh, yeah, he got out of there, and then he was fine, and he kept being a bounty hunter. People are like, that's dumb. And now it's just understood that he came out and he wandered around and it was dumb. Yeah, it's harder and harder to be like, ooh, people aren't, lay people aren't going to know if this is true or not. Because after we've had enough dumb horse shit go on with like Disney Plus and other movies, they're like, yeah, I'm sure. I'll, I'll believe whatever. You tell me anything and I'll believe it. Used to be you could be like, hey, you know that one guy in the cantina that's smoking a hookah? He's a vampire who uses feathery brushes that come out from his nose to suck your juice. <laughs> he gets your brain soup. He gets your soup and he just drinks it down. He's an Anzat. And people would be like, no, no, wow. that's not true. Used to be you could literally just keep get people by telling hey, you them. You know that guy with the ice cream machine? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's Will got Rahood. a name. Yeah, Wilra Hood and an action figure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's, I mean, the, that's the type of shit. Ten years ago, maybe, I don't know, probably longer than that, maybe 15 years ago, you could get people by just saying the the type of music that we were hearing in the cantina is jizz. That's still something that ends up, like, I feel like every generation has the moment where they get they <laughs> told realize that the that's jizz. what that is. Yeah. Where they're like, 
wait, what are you telling me? You're like, yeah, that's right. It's time for you. Look, you're 15 now, and it's time for you to understand jizz. Yeah, it's the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. I mean, we got another jizz thing like last week when exactly. there was like a Star Wars day at Disneyland or something, and they were serving up a drink called the Jizz Lord. Exactly. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it is the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, man, every 10 years, someone goes, holy shit, did you guys know jizz is a thing in Star Wars? And all of us go, yes, yeah, we welcome ex- to it. Ex- exchange knowing looks. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, a newbie to jizz. Oh, hey, look. Look at this guy just figuring out jizz. <laughs> and here we are, a couple of jizz lords. <laughs> Old hand at jizz. <laughs> you are new to jizz. We were born in it. <laughs> molded by it <laughs> yeah uh, all right that's all the questions that is all of our questions well, we've got because we're rounding the horn on an hour and it's time to do the thing where we talk about the next book and as always we do this by reading the back and then announcing what we're doing john are you ready i am so ready mm-hmm. for you to tell me the back of this book i am Here we go. It's a longer one, but I'll go through it quick. They are the galaxy's most elite fighting force. And (laughs) they are two brothers. (laughs) (laughs) They are in a world of danger. They are on a cruise ship going too fast. They are in a spot of bother. Coming up next. Are really in the thick of it. They are the galaxy's most elite fighting force, and as the battle against the Empire rages, the X-Wing pilots risk life and machine to protect the Rebel Alliance. Now they must go on a daring undercover mission as the crew of an Imperial warship. What? It is Wedge Antilles' boldest creation, a covert action unit of X-Wing fighters, its pilots drawn from the dregs of other units, cast-offs and rejects given one last chance. (laughs) But before the new pilots can complete their training, the squadron's base is attacked by formal Imperial, I'm sorry, former Imperial Admiral Triggett. Triggett? Triggett. And Wraith Squadron is forced to swing into action, taking over an Imperial warship and impersonating its crew. The mission to gain, to gain vital intelligence against Triggett's secret weapons, to sabotage the Admiral's plans, and to lure him into an Alliance trap. But the high-stakes gamble pits Wraith Squadron's ragtag renegades against the Empire's most brilliant master of guile and deception. Are they up to the challenge? If not, the penalty is instant death. It's X-Wing Wraith Squadron by Aaron Alston. Oh, man. You know, trinkets are my favorite (laughs) off-brand cracker. When I go down that cracker aisle and I'm like... Man, I ain't got Trisket money, but I got Trigget money. <laughs> See, now, whenever I got, like, too hot of a bowl of soup and I wanted to put it at the table, I make sure to put a Trigget down so I can put it on top of that. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing putting that down on the table? Get a Trigget first. <laughs> it's going to mess up the, the panel, the Waddix paneling or whatever's on tables. Varnish? I think it's probably varnish. That's going to leave a ring. You get a Trigget down put there. put a Trigget down immediately, <laughs> and you get one of the Admiral Triggets, too. I don't, I don't want to see any... Commodore Trigget or whatever in there. Ooh, I love this soup. I'm going to crumble some Triggets up in here. <laughs> what is this, the low salt Triggets? I love these. <laughs> Might also be Trigit. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Trigits will find out. <laughs> the Trigits are really in the thick of it. It's Parliament. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I don't know anything about this. I just read that it had like... One of my favorite things about the the X-Wing series that I know very, very little about. Well, yeah, only... People have been wanting us to do yeah. an X-Wing book. This isn't quite that. This is, I think this is a follow-up to the X-Wing novels. But uh, the thing I like about them is that they do that, that critic uh, cop has to pick a new partner joke where uh, every X-Wing pilot has to be a new, even crazier thing. So you're like, I don't know, we got like a horse and an Ewok and a droid and a, and a cactus and your mom, and they're all X-Wing pilots. You got to train them all. Huh? There's two Jawas that pretending to be one really big Jawa. <laughs> not even <laughs> pretending to be something else, just pretending to be a bigger oh, Jawa. Well, they're not on each other's shoulders. They're like next to each other. They're wearing one of those big two-head T-shirts. We're a double wide. <laughs> Utihi. <laughs> Second. Uh yes, also. So so I'm really looking forward to that. I, I also I also bought this on the strength of the name Admiral Triggett as the bad guy. 
I just, I hey, just, man. I couldn't get good, enough. Good pick, because the second you said it, I was like, baby, I got jokes. <laughs> I got, I got to know one more about Trigget. I, I got bits now. <laughs> so, so look forward to that. As always, we're going to take one week off. Uh, to kind of cool our jets and figure out what season this is. <laughs> figure out what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> and come back strong to discuss X-Wing Wraith Squadron. We will see you it then. And until then, hey, you know you always want that bonus content. That's over, as we've mentioned a couple of times, at patreon.com slash systemmastery, where if you support us at the $4 level, not only will you unlock ad-free versions of all of our shows, which is the base level, that's the best thing you do, but also you get our regular bonus content for System Mastery, and our expanded, expounded universe where we go find stories about Star Wars to tell to each other, to tell to you. It's funny, it's hilarious, it's a good time, and it helps us do what we do. Yes, indeed. Keeps the lights on, keeps the show running. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're doing this in a cold-ass garage, because it's January, so we need those lights on. And this It's so tiny, rainy. There's a little tiny space heater. <laughs> <laughs> soon we'll upgrade to a slightly larger space heater i don't know this one's pointed right at me i'm kind of hating it but <laughs> yeah as soon as it gets to be i don't know july we'll get a big space heater in here <laughs> that's what we need <laughs> i'm still trying to figure out how to work an air conditioner into this room because it's i I'd have to like carve a porthole into the garage for the air out well and we i'm fi- we and figured I'm out renting. how to get internet out here and by god we'll get everything <laughs> yeah We'll see. All right. I'm going to get a Murphy bed, and I'm just never going to (laughs) leave. So if you can't support us financially, we understand. As always, you can just rate and review anywhere you listen to the show, or you can just tell people about us, because that helps us grow, which is the biggest thing that we could really do. Yeah. Make my monster grow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Damn it. Make my (laughs) trigger big. (laughs) Get that big trigger. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Until next time, <laughs> I've been Elan Sleeves Bagano. Quit eating all my triggets. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.